Welcome to the My Canine Coach Podcast, a show that coaches dog owners on how to achieve their ideal lifestyle with and for their dogs. You'll hear from canine coach Dana as she breaks down actionable dog training protocols, explores current dog training trends, and shares insights from her own experiences owning and working with dogs. Now, here's your host, canine coach Dana. Loki's going to continuously go up and down from this couch That's okay. as we record because That's he's okay. obsessed with you. I'm obsessed with him. Oh, good job. Good buddy. job, dude. Good, good job. job. We're downstairs. <laughs> You know, we're going to leave it there. We are going to So that you there. don't knock it down again. Yeah, because that, that's a good point. <laughs> I was, uh, it can't fall any further if it's already on the floor. That's right. I was watching, I'm watching a couple dogs right now. And the one, like when I'm on my laptop, he like wants to climb into my lap. And um, like I, I put him back down like twice and then I just gave up and was like, <laughs> you, just you, just, you just sit here and I'm just typing away and he's just, just all up on you. Yeah, it was fine. I mean, it's warm. It was warm. And he was upset because I've been sitting on the couch where he can be right there. And then I moved to a table and that was not acceptable. Oh, no, no. Maybe if the table is closer, Loki won't be able to make it up on That's the couch. right. Well, if he wants to, he make wants a spot to. for him here. You know, I try to get him to learn that this little love seat is his space. He can be, he can be up there and go and chill and right. relax. But every time he goes up there, he chills and relaxes for about 30 seconds. And then he's like, yeah, no, I would rather go lay on the floor. Yeah, this is much better. And I'm like, but comfy couch. Yeah. Hard floor. And Some he's dogs. just like, nope, Dundee, can't do it. Dundee's like that. Dundee doesn't like, um, like to sleep on beds or anything. He always wants to be, like, especially if he can be, like, up against a door jam where, like, the cold air is coming in. He prefers, oh, okay, like, that makes sense. spots like that in the house. And, like, whereas, like, uh, a Benny, of course, you know. Oh, yeah. Wants she wants to be sources. as warm as possible. Yeah. yeah. Yes. no fur. No fur. No fur. <laughs> Basically no skin. Basically so. nothing. <laughs> Basically nothing. <laughs> Basically not a dog. She's so upset that it's winter right now. Oh, I bet. Yeah, Loki likes to lay right behind where I am right now because yeah. there's that vent oh, in the ceiling yeah. right there. I mean, not in the wintertime as much anymore, because now the heat comes on, he's right. like, ew, heat. But in the summer, he's always like, oh, I'm going to go lay right over right. there in that co- weird corner against the wall, because right. I want the air blowing right on top of me. That sounds very nice. Whereas I'm perpetually cold, and right. so I hate it, because right. I work right here, and the air blows You're right like, on me. It is freezing here. <laughs> Welcome to episode 11 of the My Canine Coach podcast. As always, I'm your host, Canine Coach Dana, and for this episode, I'm joined not just by Loki, who's going to interrupt us constantly and make noise, hopefully not, but also my colleague and trainer, Rachel Weaver. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. Of course. I'm excited. So today, we figured we'd talk a lot about multi-dog households, something that we haven't talked about yet, or I haven't talked about yet on the podcast, and I don't have a multi-dog household. I have one singular dog, which I also think is an anomaly for a trainer. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm a little jealous sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The effort involved in taking care of one is not the same as taking care of six. Five. Loki says he's trying six? to make up for yeah, it, you though. Six. Yeah, six. Six. <laughs> six. Oh, believe me, Loki makes up for he's it. He's trying. I do not need more than just Loki right now. He says, I will do it for you. Basically, like what I had texted you the other day. Yeah. Because um, we were talking about me potentially getting another dog. Yes. Because Andrew, of course, wants us to have another dog. Right. And how I had said that I will get another dog 
when my current dog, Loki, moves from the necessary project folder to the fun project folder. Right. It's like how I described it. Yes. Because right now his training is definitely in the category of necessary, and I see it more right. as work than fun. Right. And uh, I don't want to make my life, or I don't want to fill Harder. my life with another necessary project. Right, exactly. <laughs> I'd rather have a fun project and one necessary project. Yes. At once, not two necessary at the same time. Yes. I think that's wise. <laughs> that's wise. You I wish don't I, live your life I, like that. I wish I made wise decisions like that. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I make them poorly. <laughs> well, how, so you, who is the first dog out of the pack that you have now? Yeah, so it started out actually, um, I guess I'll go back to uh, V was my first dog who's no longer with me. Um, and she was a greyhound, uh, retired racer. And I, well, she wasn't a retired racer. She was, her leg, <laughs> Loki's distracted. He's super distracted. <laughs> He's like, I must look out the window. Um <laughs> So uh, V was never raced. She her her mother stepped on her leg as a puppy and okay. it broke and then it fused badly. So she never actually made it to the track. So Aww. I adopted her in 2012 and okay. she was about a year old. So I had she was my first dog and then um, she passed in 2021. Uh, so then the next dog I got was Dundee. Okay. Okay. So Dundee. Yeah. Okay. That yeah. tracks. That makes sense. Yeah. And then timeline wise. Yes. Between dogs, what did that look like? Because I know you 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 got a plenty <laughs> all at once. Yes, yes. So Dundee, I got. And maybe we should talk about whether that's recommended or not. Yes, we can definitely talk about that. Uh, spoiler alert: Do not recommend. do not <laughs> do not recommend. This may shock you, Hard pass. but not the best idea. But um, my uh, Dundee, I got in 2017. So I'd had V for like five years at that point when I got Dundee. Okay. Um, and when we got Dundee, we were looking for, um, me and my partner, Kevin had just gotten together and he had had, um, in his prior relationship, had a, a cattle dog husky mix. Oh wow. Oh, that's a unique mix. Yeah. She was a really cool dog. Like she like could say I love you and she could she did like oh the classic husky yeah and she would say mama she could like break dance like oh my gosh this dog sounds so cool she was a really cool dog and he was like really heartbroken because he wasn't the one who got her in the relationship so um he wanted another herding dog so we had been kind of scouting the shelters and uh seeing what we could find and I saw this dog on Facebook at our one of our local shelters and wasn't really actually into him when I looked at him. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, eh, yeah, whatever. And then this girl, at the time I was working uh, as a manager at a local pet store, and uh, one of the volunteers came in, and I was like, oh, you know, you got any good herding dogs over at the shelter right now? And she's like, oh, we have this Dundee. I was like, oh, yeah, I saw him online. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, maybe we'll come and check him out. And we did. And then, like, they had, like, a path through the woods at the shelter, so... Uh, Kevin and I took him oh, on a nice. walk through the woods. They had access to that? Uh, yeah, that's it awesome. was really cool because, like, you know, you got to see him more. Like, <laughs> of no. course, I would do that. <laughs> Never cut the cord. Oh, Start again. Of course. And then, look, look, how did you even get in there? He, he's magic. I just block him off. He's magic. What are you doing? I got things to do. Did Come you on, buddy. Good boy. Yeah, you would do that. Yeah. He says, I would. I'd do it again. <laughs> um, so, yeah. He would push the gate that I put up to block him. Of course. Of course. Of course. Of course. Why, would you, why would you not? Why not? 
But yeah, it was really nice because like, you know, at, at a lot of shelter environments, you don't have the ability to take the dog like on a walk like that and kind of see their real personality, you know? Yeah. Um, Cause usually it's in like yeah. more of a city not like city city but no like, yeah you're you in know. like their yard yeah. you know and, and and that's still nice but it's not not quite the same as kind of getting them out into nature of mm -hmm. course um and I still I just have this like idyllic picture in my head still of like seeing Kevin and it was like the fall it was October and like the leaves and, and it was just so pretty him and Dundee and Dundee's an Aussie so he's like bouncing and so happy and whatever so of course we ended up taking him home we had to do a meet and greet with V and that went fine and right. um and then we brought Dundee home and so we got him in 2017 and then that was kind of um like, I had trained with V, of course, like, basic stuff, like, life stuff. Um, but Dundee was where I started teaching, like, tricks and, like, fun okay. fun stuff. And okay. I was like, oh, this is, like, really fun. And um, taught him, you know, just, like, silly stuff, sit pretty and spins and things like that. And he was so smart and enjoyed doing that stuff. Um, and But he was, like, he was Kevin's dog. Like, he was, he's a daddy's boy for okay. sure. Like. Okay. And to my dismay, so are the rest of them at this point. <laughs> but, uh, it, well, except for the girls, but we'll get there. Um, but so I really enjoyed that and was like, you know what? I want my own herding dog that is, you know, mine, that I bond right. with and I build a relationship with. Because um, that re really Dundee was for him. Um, so then I started doing research. I was mentioning earlier, I was looking at cattle dogs. Um, yeah. I looked at border collies, um, and I didn't really want the, I guess I didn't want the, back then I didn't want like the intensity of the border collie. Right. Right. Um, that's changed since. So okay. I thought I wanted something though with more of an off switch than a border collie mm -hmm. or a, mm -hmm. a, a um, cattle dog. Yeah, I agree. I'm of the same opinion. Yeah. I mean, I have kind of a drivey dog right now. But right. I wasn't considering that at the a time. caliber of a border collie at the time. Right. I you just ended up, up with it. I ended up with one, of course. <laughs> you didn't ask for it, but you ended up with it. But I got it because yeah. the universe said, right. no, you need this. Right. And now, like, <laughs> later on in life, I now I understand, too, you know, I could have found a border collie from lines where I did have that off switch and everything, right, you know, right. I, I had this perception of like all border collies are it's all wired nothing. and yeah. yeah. Um, which, you know, of course isn't necessarily true, but, um, so that led me to looking at Australian coolies and everything I read online was like, Oh, you know, they have this amazing off switch. They're, they're like, you know, super smart herding dog, but with a little more independence, but, um, great off switch, whatever. So I found a breeder in New York, um, quantum coolies and, I got Blitz yep. from her, and that okay. was in 2018. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, coolies are an uncommon... Like, I yeah. didn't know of them until I had met you. Yeah, there's about... There's... um, I think there are... There's pretty close to a thousand now, I want to say, in the United States. Okay. They've, they've increased a lot in popularity um, over the years. Uh, Sarah Bruski, who's a really well-known trainer uh, through Fenzy Dog Sports, she breeds Australian coolies and I think has really brought a lot of attention to the breed because okay. she has okay. she used to work for Perina Farms and did shows with hers, so like people saw them. And, right, okay. Um, if you could describe the breed yeah. in terms of it's like other breeds. yeah. Like more common ones, which ones would yeah. you say? I would actually say it is um, more like a, a, I would say like 
the closest thing to me would be kind of like a Kelpie. Okay. But they're definitely more sensitive than like a good working Kelpie. Um, and the breed, you know, there are a lot of coolies that um, are kind of like on the softer side and, and more sensitive. They really vary a lot, the, just like any breed, of course. But right. um, between the lines, like all the different lines and breedings yeah. vary quite a bit because... Um, you know, I also have Blitz's half brother, and he's entirely different than Blitz. Right. Um, so, but I would say I would I would compare them to like a Kelpie, an Aussie, kind of like a Border Collie. But uh, Australian Coolies initially, so when they were used for herding, they don't herd with like a lot of eye, like the okay. way like a Kelpie or Border Collie does. So you don't have that same like kind of like visual intensity that oh, you see okay. like in a Border Collie, okay. like that hard staring that, like, as much. Basically. Yeah. Not as much, yeah, but okay. they're still like, um, like they're still they can still be intense, but not the same way. Right, we're not yeah. in the same manner. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. I only ask because whenever I describe Loki, because yes. he's an uncommon. What I would say, coolies are uncommon. I would put Loki more in the rare breed category yep. for the United States. Right. When I got him at the time, there were only like fifty. Right. The population's um, smaller. Yeah, yeah. they're more now because they started breeding them. In right. The US, but right. Um. I always describe his breed as like a cross between like a golden retriever because of the temperament of yeah. being like super duper social right. and like a really good family dog. Right. Um and a German shepherd. Yeah. Because he still has all of that drive. And those are right. those are more common breeds that people like you say those names Recognize. and they're like, Oh yeah, I could understand yeah. like what it would be like to own yeah. Either one of those breeds and a mix of those I can conceive. Right, right. Yeah. And and it's interesting having like the Aussie to compare to. I mean, Dundee's not well-bred by any means, um but he is a purebred Aussie and he is um like he's more I would describe him as like more prey driven. Um like the coolies aren't very prey driven. Yeah. Um he's like the Aussie's more the Aussie's also more like silly like a little more relaxed yeah, you know? yeah 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 um the coolies are and especially like they're very different my two coolies are very different but like blitz is very serious like everything <laughs> is very serious and everything is like you know uh a work and and demos is more like everything's fun and i just want to be doing fun all the time it's so funny the the, the temperaments that you get yeah between the two that's why it so 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 matters when you pick a dog out of a litter Right. Like, to actually explain to the breeder what you're looking totally, for. Because totally, totally. yes, you're going to get the classic traits that come genetically with that, yeah. with that breed, but temperament is going to be a lot different depending on who it is out of that litter you're getting. Yeah, that's a, that's a really um, good point to bring up because, like, Blitz, for instance, he was my... So, he was my first dog through, like, uh, through a breeder. So, um... She picked him for me. My breeder picked him out for yeah. me. Um, I asked her, I said, and at that time, you know, I had no interest in dog sports. I was just like looking for a, a hiking companion that I could also teach tricks and teach okay. fun stuff to. Um, and so she picked Blitz for me and he really was a, a, like the right choice out of that litter for, for me. When I look at the other puppies in the litter who are all great, um, but they're all very different. Like uh, one of his sisters, she's like a really, really accomplished agility dog. And she's definitely like a, a much drivier dog um, than he is. Okay. And like even when you go back and you look at like 
I'll, I'll go back and look at the puppy videos of them and like you can just see it when they're puppies even like just the difference in intensity and yeah, yeah. Uh, the way they interact with the environment is so different and like trusting the breeder to make that choice is can be scary like for pet parents um yeah for it's sure scary for me because I have control issues sure yeah <laughs> no and it really is scary to like give somebody the that like you know because this is something that's going to live with you for you know 10 plus years yep um so trusting someone to make that choice is hard and especially because like we all want the cutest puppy right oh, like yeah. who doesn't like oh everybody God. loves you know loves a cute puppy um I was lucky that Bless was like really cute. I mean, cute. he is so um, handsome. <laughs> when he was a puppy, I he looked like an Aussie. <laughs> oh, does, did he? he? Yeah, I'll have to send you a picture. He looked just like an Aussie with a tail, and everybody thought he was an Aussie when oh, he was a puppy. Okay. Because he also, so coolies can have um, upright ears, or they can also have like rose ears, like the tipped ears. Yeah, okay. So Blitz has tipped ears, and uh, Demos's are straight up. Yeah, yeah. Um, his half brother. But. Um, uh, so like when Blitz was a baby, he really looked like an Aussie. Oh, um, that's a cutie. He was very cute. <laughs> you did luck out though. His, I love his markings. Thanks. He looks so pretty Thanks. all the time. His siblings are really cute too, but of course I'm partial. Um, Obviously, you know I'm partial too. I don't even yeah. know them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He it was funny. He was like the biggest puppy in the litter too. Um, <laughs> like he was. Hu- I have a picture of him with one of his siblings, and he's huge. But yeah, like um, trusting her to make that decision was was hard but I knew like you know that's why like building a good relationship with the breeder is just like so important you know oh there goes my calendar there it goes you know (laughs) could have turned those I'm here (laughs) (laughs) whatever um you know it's uh, trusting the breeder with that um yeah it's hard I feel like I've said that 10 times but um no it's but it really is because it's it's hard for you to go okay I'm going to like Mm -hmm. trust Yep. That this person, A, understands what it is that I'm asking for. Right. I trust myself enough that I've explained to them right. accurately and described enough right. what I want. Yeah. And then also trusting the fact that they're going to actually pick that for that, you, basically. Yeah, it's exactly. the other side of that. So you're trying to, you have to trust yeah. yourself and then you also have to trust the other person. So yep. yeah, it's, it's yep. challenging. Building a good relationship with the breeder definitely like, you know, makes a difference. And um, I, I'm... I'm just fortunate that she did pick the right the right one for me out of that litter and right. at the at that time he was the right puppy for me and he was you know uh when I went through KPA he's the dog that was my KPA dog and um KPA is uh, Karen Pryor Academy there sorry abbreviations I know yeah the dog world is just full <laughs> yes, of them yes so I they're everywhere. really hard I know. to actually spell them out when no it's good them. yeah yeah Karen Pryor Academy so when you go through the academy you have to have a dog that you bring for workshops and that okay. that you do okay. your and that's um, you got assignments your through from. yeah one of them is through there yeah okay um that was my first one though right. that okay. I went through okay, so so when you um brought or when you were thinking of bringing in blitz Mm -hmm. you already had a single dog in the house like Mm -hmm. what were your thought process on that in terms of like making sure that everything went smoothly essentially so or were you not thinking at the time i also i wasn't i wasn't so i can Um, admit that of myself (laughs) yeah i wasn't i wasn't like dundee was so good natured Mm -hmm. um I was more concerned about V because V, my greyhound, I still had at the oh, time. Right, right, okay. Yeah, so only one of my current dogs didn't live with V. Okay. Um, everybody else did. V was a, a great dog. She just, like, 
some greyhounds do. She just had a bubble that, like, if she was resting, you know, she didn't want a dog coming into that bubble. Oh, totally okay. reasonable. I mean, totally reasonable. I feel the same way yeah. about my personal space. Right, exactly. <laughs> she just kind of had, like, a... She, I don't want to say she had poor bite inhibition, but, like, it, she definitely could could pack yeah. a bite if she yeah. wanted to. Yeah. So, um, so that was more my concern. So, pretty much, the, the biggest thing when I integrated him, I didn't worry too much about Dundee. Um, and Dundee, I mean, Dundee took to him right away. Dundee is, like, so good with puppies because he's so tolerant. But at the same time, it's also kind of terrible because he definitely does not tell them when... Oh, when they're being too much. Yeah, yeah. so I have to intervene for him. Right. Um, so they don't really get the learning that you're hoping <laughs> that Dundee will give them. No, but V took care of it for yeah, me. there we go. So. <laughs> but uh, v, do- v would would do that as well. But the biggest thing was I making sure that, like... V had her space and then also I think the other thing that's really hard for people when when you start adding other dogs is like making sure that they do get their individual attention individual time yeah and like making sure that Dundee didn't feel you know not not that Dundee didn't feel like we were putting him on the back burner right you know so we made sure that we we were doing some special Dundee time stuff and special blitz time stuff and um, kind of separating, and then we would also do. How old was bikes. Dundee at that time? So when we got Dundee, they said he was two. There was no way he was two. He was probably like one. So he would have been two when we got Blitz. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, that's a good. I mean, I think that's yeah. a good age yeah. to bring in a new. A yeah, because you're out of the adolescent stuff usually at that point. Not always, but yeah, <laughs> depending on uh, depending on the dog and the breed, of course, you know. But Dundee was definitely out of that mm-hmm. period um for himself but um yeah so it was a good time to bring blitz in yeah loki keeps pacing and whining loki you want um some more help right now are you having a hard time do you want to go in the crate you want to go in your crate you go crate yeah oh that would be great thank oh, you that's a good boy you have a Excuse hard time me. here you go good boy there you go. He needed a little bit of help there. Yeah. He's just so excited yes. for having people That's here. Right. There's there's peoples. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So okay, so Blitz came in 2018. 2018. May 2018. Okay. Was his birthday. Oh. And I brought him home. Um drove him home from Buffalo at like midnight. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like my pickup for Loki because yeah. we picked him up from JFK. We didn't get him until like any sometime between like ten and eleven PM. Oh and then yeah, we had to drive from JFK back up here. That's right. I, I listened to that on your crate yeah. training one. Yeah, yeah, yeah he yeah. um it, it yeah I was tired and he was so good though he, and he's to this day he's like amazing um in the car like creative in the car he just goes to sleep yeah it's that's great. what Loki does too yeah it's it's wonderful. So nice. Yes, yeah, so, nice. so nice. I mean, unless somebody like approaches the car. Yeah, yeah. And then I'll get the rah rah. Sure. Bark, right. Bark, bark because right. Shepherd, but right. I mean, can't blame him for That's that. Right. Well, That's right. Sometimes you don't want people coming near your car. Yeah, sometimes I don't. <laughs> you right. are absolutely correct. Right. Sometimes I don't. Yeah. Um, okay, so Blitz came in 2018. Yep. And then next was. The three in a row. Okay. So, so that's the fun part of the That's the fun story. part of the conversation. So, because we took our time. We yes. researched what we wanted. Not saying that you didn't research what you wanted for these next yes. months. Yes. But you were like, I want a dog for myself. Yes. My prior dog is now two. Yep. That's a good time frame. Yep. Or timeline. Yes. An age range for the both of them. And then. And then. 
So uh, the next one would be Hannibal, who's a Pomeranian. Yeah. Um, and Kevin and I had both always loved Pomeranians. Um, and I had been following this breeder for a long time. Uh, Coventry Palms out of West Virginia. Her name's Karen. and um, She's a great breeder. Uh, I had been following her program because she was trying to pr- produce some more... Um, some. Palms that could also do sports. Oh, that's not, cool. Yeah, not just like, sh- like she does showing and she's very successful doing showing, but she was also trying to produce some performance okay. palms. Very so cool. that was what really like interested me in her program. Um, and she just so happened to post this puppy that still needed a home and his name at the time was Vino. Okay. For wine. And, um, <laughs> And he was just so stinking cute. And, like, her palms just, they're so cute. Um, I can't stand it. <laughs> I mean, it. palms are. They are. They are. Little teddy bears. And oh, my God, yeah. He was, like, extra cute. And, um. Just, like, giant furballs. Yeah, yeah. And not giant. Yeah. But, I mean, like, just. Right. Poofs. They're yeah. just, like, poofs. Right. That waddle around. Right. And he was not, um, show quality because he, uh, um. Like, his bite wasn't quite right. His there, yeah, his confirmation right. wasn't quite right. Okay. I think he might have been a little, like, taller. I can't even remember exactly at this point. But, um, so I I reached out to her. We had a great conversation. And I uh, decided to bring him home on, I brought him home the day after Christmas. Oh, um, wow. 2019. Okay, so one year later. Right. One year later. So, um, so he was well, number a little four. Over, a year and a half. Yeah. Because you got May 2018. Yeah. 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 So yeah. A year and a half. Yeah. So brought him home. Um, and yeah. Uh, and then. <laughs> How uh, old was he? He was, he was a little older when I got right? him. Yeah. That's yeah. What I he was from your story. He was like 12 weeks, 13 weeks, okay. something like that. Okay. Um, just a little bit older. So that was kind of nice though, considering what happened next but <laughs> okay um yeah he was he was a good boy um then in 2020 Jan- was it january or february i think it was february so like two months later basically <laughs> okay. Okay. two months later and i had been planning this if i remember right I'm trying to remember so okay i guess i need to back up when I got Blitz, yeah. when we got Blitz, I had originally wanted a puppy from the litter that happened right before Blitz. Okay. But there wasn't enough puppies right. in that litter for, and for she me already to had a one. list of uh, right. people. Right. Yep. And so you there, didn't make it. I did not make it, right. unfortunately. Okay. Yep. I wanted a puppy out of that litter because I loved the mother so okay. much. Okay. Um, her name's Alta. She was an amazing, is an amazing dog. She's still around. Um, so Alta was having her, I believe this was... It wasn't her, it was supposed to be her last litter. It wasn't her last litter, but it was supposed to be her last litter. Um, and I really wanted a puppy from her specifically. And um, we had had some like personal stuff happen that year that um, uh, it, it, it had been a rough year. So, okay. uh, and specifically for Kevin. Um, sure. And so we ended up deciding to get this puppy as kind of a, uh, <laughs> it, it was, it wasn't an impulse decision, but. I don't know how to explain it, but it's not because you had been we'd been planning on it. Yeah, you and you had been looking at that yeah. at the time, and then right. the opportunity arose. Yeah, it was just that the opportunity, the timing of opportunity, yeah. wasn't um, what I would have ideally wanted. Right. Like That's I would have ideally like to wanted me. to wait like a little longer after having Hannibal. Um, but 
Demos was going to be kind of more for Kevin and Hannibal was going to be for me. So, you know, and Kevin, I'm fortunate that Kevin is um, not like as deep into dogs as I am, (laughs) but he is very into dogs. And like, to be honest, like all the, all the education and everything in the world has, hasn't taught me as much as just watching how Kevin interacts with dogs has taught me. That's amazing. Um, I've learned a lot just from him. Like he grew up with dogs. I didn't. Yeah. I did not either. Yeah. We, so another story. (laughs) Sorry, everybody. No, that's the point of the podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, great. So when I was a kid, um, my parents got, um, got, I, I wanted a dog forever as as many children do and like I had this little little jar that I saved money in it was the 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 dog dog, it was the dog fun jar nice nice okay and then when you're You're being responsible about it that's right I was I was like seven you're shouldering (laughs) some of the burden I was trying yeah so that (laughs) that Christmas my parents gave me uh it was like a clothing box and then when I opened it there was like a can of Alpo which I'm not recommending (laughs) but there was like there was a can of Alpo in it and like a card that was like you can get your puppy Ah. and with the money that I had so but but it was permission to get the puppy right right which is what you were actually right um pro tip you should not leave it to a seven-year-old to pick out a puppy. Good choices. Good choices. Uh, good choices. So, <laughs> especially when you live in the city. Yeah, we, definitely don't leave it to the seven-year-old to no, choose. No, and yeah. we lived in we lived in um, uh, local Amsterdam, New York. So okay. we lived in the city, though. Okay. Um, okay. I mean, involve the seven-year-old. Involve them. Right. Yeah, definitely. But, but choose a dog for your house and lifestyle Correct. based on adult knowledge. Right. Yeah. Which is 100% not what we did. Correct. Right. So okay. I, <laughs> I chose a beagle. Okay. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We, we all see where this is going, right? <laughs> um, and uh, her name was Ethel. And um, Oh my God, I love that name yeah, for a beagle. It was so good. Wow. Yeah. Who would have picked a better name? No. To be honest. Um, it came, I picked it from Milo of Lucy because, like, growing up, my parents only let us watch, like, black and white television shows. Okay, we okay, weren't allowed okay. to watch it's color It's still TV. a great name, regardless of yeah, where it came from. so that's why I chose it. But, I think it's um, quite appropriate. And I picked her out of the litter. We went and looked at the litter of beagles. I think we found them in the paper back when puppies were advertised in the paper. Okay, yep. And yep. Um, Are they still? Probably. There's still a pet section in the classifieds, but it's like super small because most people aren't looking at the paper anymore. So I bet you it's moved to eBay. Yeah, most likely. So, um, (laughs) so so we, uh, we went, we looked at the puppies and I picked the puppy that was like hanging at the back. Um, Mm. which is not by the way, a good idea, but yeah, uh, let's explain why. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's do a little educate. Yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. So, um, Generally, a lot of times the puppy that's hanging in the back or acting more reserved is probably a little fearful, yeah. probably uh, and and shy. And, and if if the puppy's fearful at at that age, what you're talking, you know, that was probably she was probably like seven, eight weeks, something okay. like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, doesn't really bode as well for their adult life because right. usually, you know. Um, usually that's going to pop up later on and, and be more of a problem, which it wasn't for her, I will say, but cause I think it was just a coincidence that she was hanging out in the okay. back. It was, okay. she wasn't like a fearful puppy. So she was just the back of the group. A hard and fast rule. No. Which I mean, picking no. out a dog, I would say, and you can tell me if you agree or not. Yeah. There's not really any hard and fast rules. No. In terms of. 
getting the one that's best for you. Right. There's a lot of guidelines, though. Right. Like, and there's a lot of good advice. And yeah, yeah. good advice, but there's no like, oh, if you see this, you're right. absolutely certainly going to get exactly. a yeah. Exactly. But Especially, it's just highly likely. Right. Yeah, and that's, okay. that's actually a really good point of like why it's great to have the breeder choose because in that one scenario where you go and look at this litter of puppies, you're only seeing them one day. The breeder's seeing them every day. Yeah, yeah. You know, oh, good point. So they're really seeing they're they're seeing their personality over time, mm-hmm. and you're just seeing a moment in time. And so that's where like you know you might think like you might see the puppies like I did and be like, oh that one's hanging back there, so she's probably calmer. Which I think was probably as a kid my thought is like, oh she's a calm puppy. <laughs> Not so much. Um, and uh, so you're thinking that, and the breeder might be like, mm, she's having an off day. Normally that one's a hellion. Right, you right, know? right. Um, so that, another good reason to have your breeder choose, as they should. But um, either way, uh, Ethel, uh, so we got her, brought her home. She had worms. That was awesome. Mm. I, I specifically remember that. It's funny, the things that stick in your head as a kid. But right? like, yeah. I just remember that we fed her food and like her stomach just like immediately <laughs> bulged. bulged. And I was yeah. like, okay, this Ooh, stomach's yeah. got worms. Um, needless to say, as a seven-year-old child, uh, my parents uh, had the attitude of the kid will take care of the dog. Oh, no. Uh uh, I w- did not. <laughs> I, was, I was not a good child, and I did I not did take not. great care of the dog. Well, um, seven-year-old. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying she wasn't cared for. She was. Somebody would, you know, of yeah, course, obviously. feed her and everything. Right. But, like, she didn't wasn't getting what she actually needed, and especially being a beagle. You know, right. we didn't do anything right. And, like, you know, she had a dog house outside. I mean, she came inside, too, and she lived inside as well. Like, she was in and out, but, like, she's a beagle, so she was barking all the time. Yeah. And, of course, you get neighbor complaints when you live in the city. Like, a beagle, a loud breed, is not generally a good choice for right. living in, in a city environment. She liked to dig. She needed a lot more exercise and, and enrichment and mental stimulation um, than than what a seven-year-old oh, yeah. has the uh, mental capacity oh, to God, do. Um but yeah, so and and what ended up happening is my parents actually rehomed her on me. Um, on you, I love how you said yeah. it. Yeah. Like oh, okay. Yeah, it wasn't like a we all agreed on this yeah. decision. And did uh, you come home one day and she wasn't there? Or no, or? I went. Um, how did it go? Uh, maybe it did. I don't remember actually going. Well, good then. Maybe it wasn't as traumatic. Um, I think it was because <laughs> then my mom. My mom had talked to the people and they were like, oh, yeah, you can come visit or whatever. Okay. And then, like, we went to visit and it was really weird and, like, they didn't want us and to they visit. they were, like, very uncomfortable yeah. that you were there. Yeah. Okay. Which sounds like probably a misunderstanding from my mom's part. Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> um, but, but, yeah, so it was just, you know, that experience, though, always cements in my head as, like, when I think about, you know, choosing a dog, right? Sure. Oh, yeah, um, of course, naturally. Yeah, and, like, why I, I – I guess it is, like, kind of why I am really passionate about, you know – the right the right home fit. Yeah, yeah the, the right, right fit. fit um definitely drives a lot of um the way i look at uh look at be- like look at clients dogs and their yeah, relationships okay. and everything but anyway i mean you were seven i was seven but <laughs> you, know. you know i'm 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 one of those people who uh you know if i can beat myself up for it i will so <laughs> hey you know yeah. we all do that i yeah. do that on the daily yeah. basis yeah um and i can't remember how we got to this story but we were talking about um bringing I was talking about bringing home Hannibal. Yeah, in terms of like selecting, I think. Oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kevin's dog. Oh yeah, for your next dog. 
Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, don't really remember the train of thought, <laughs> but I, I'll listen back to it and remember. But anyway. No, but I like the story. Yeah, yeah. The story's good. So well, it gives context to, like, everything. Everything, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then Demos, um, so Demos, I'd wanted, oh, yeah, I wanted the puppy from, um, from a puppy from Alta, mm-hmm. this particular female, and um, it, it was, you know, probably not going to happen again, at least at that time, I didn't think so. And the sire from that litter probably wasn't going to be bred again either. Okay. Um, and he was the same father from Blitz. So, um, same dads, different moms. Right. Okay. Um, okay. and then at that point I had developed a really good relationship with, uh, the breeder. Um, and she let me pick, uh, oh, my okay, puppy nice. that time. Okay, nice. So, yeah. And like normally she, she would not let any, you know, but we had developed a really good relationship and she knew that I knew what I was looking at right. as well. And, um, so I picked, I picked him, um, it was between him and one other puppy at the time. Um, and she ended up with the other one, actually. She kept, <laughs> okay. she kept him. Okay. Um, and then I got Demos and, uh, man, I really couldn't have picked a better pick. Really? <laughs> Honestly, like, I mean, all the puppies in that litter are great. Um, but yeah, he definitely was, was the right pick. He's a super solid dog. So, um, you know, knowing the parents, I feel like it's, it, Cause even like as a pet parent, you can meet the parents, right. And get an idea of like, are they a little standoffish or, you know, like one of my dogs, um, I won't say which, but that dog's mother in retrospect was a little moody Sure, and, um, struck me as a little soft and sure enough, that dog is too. Right. Um, is it maybe a coincidence? Maybe, but like meeting the parents, you know, definitely gives you some picture of, what they're what gonna, they're gonna to, be basically. like yeah, yeah yeah um so yeah so that was demos so then we brought demos home in february two months after hannibal and then in may <laughs> of, of the same year you guys are crazy yeah it was nuts um so i had been researching for three years before i got this dog um and this is my Ozawaka Benny. Yeah. So I got her in May of, of 2019. At that time, there were, it was like maybe one, maybe two litters of Ozawaka born a year. And there's very, very few breeders in the U.S. Um, and so like. They're not a popular breed. No, no. They were only recognized by AKC, I want to say in 20, 2018 or 2019. I can't okay. remember exactly. Um, they've only been in the United States since the seventies. Um, so not a super popular breed, hard to place like for breed, like, you know, they're one of those breeds that like, you need to, you need to have a full list of people before you breed that, that litter. Um, I mean that goes for any breed, but like there's other breeds of course that it's easier to find homes for puppies. Um, Ozawak are not one of them. So, um, there was only one breeder at that time in the United States that I knew that I thought would be a good, a good breeder to get a, get a puppy from. She was recommended to me by another Ozawak person. Uh, so that is the route I went. She was having a litter. Um, I was told by another person, super knowledgeable in the breed that, uh, it was, you know, a very good pairing for me, um, based on what I had kind of expressed that I wanted. Okay. Uh, and yeah, so I ended up with her, um, 
And that was a whole thing. <laughs> okay, well, let's... Okay, before we get in, let's yeah. do... Let's do a quick... <coughs> sure. We'll do a recap. Me. Yeah. Um, we'll start... Dog... We'll go from dog one up to a Benny, mm-hmm. and then we'll just recap yeah. just the dog name and the breed. Okay. So, so that we keep all of them... Straight. Straight. Okay. Yeah. So, first was 2012, I got V. Yeah. It was a Greyhound. Um, and then 2017, Dundee... Australian Shepherd, 2018 Blitz, Australian Cooley, and then 2019 Hannibal, Pomeranian, 2020 uh, Demos, Australian Cooley, and also 2020 <laughs> a Benny, Ozalock. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. And then I think, like, I'm interested because I, I, I know from just our like regular mm-hmm. normal conversations that yeah. we text about and fart about around mm-hmm. with <laughs> that mm-hmm. um I know a little bit about Azawax based yeah. on those combos. Yeah. But I think it would be cool to kind of explain a little bit more about that sure. particular breed because they are so rare and unusual. Yeah. I guess I should say. Yeah, yeah. Um all right. So <laughs> I will do my very best, and I'm gonna apologize to anybody yeah, I mean, in the, in the saying, Oswalk community I'm if I'm wrong an about anything. Or anything. Yeah, I'm definitely not. Um, and like I know, I know a bit, but um, so if I get any facts wrong, I'm gonna apologize in advance. But uh, Ozawak are from the Sahel region in uh, Africa, so they're from the Ozawak Valley, which consists of Niger, Mali, and Burkina Faso. Uh, they were, they're a land race breed, which basically just means they're a breed, uh, that developed based on the region okay. versus like, versus like selective breeding, uh, by humans, you right, know, human uh, right. choice. Right. Basically. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, and they, um, so they are, they are the dog of the nomadic people of that region, um, called the ED or the, um, the other name can't remember Torigs. okay i want to say yeah probably right Torig people um so they are a desert a desert breed if you look up pictures of ozwak it's spelled a-z-a-w-a-k-h um you'll see that they are longer than they are or they're taller than they are long so they have long uh, longer legs yep. and shorter torso picturing of any that yeah that makes sense and if you look up other animals in that region like goats or cows from the sahel very similar build Oh, okay and the reason being is like a like you'd want to be farther off the hot ground right right um they have very little body fat because it's hot any extra body fat if you think of if you think of like uh endurance runners Right. Right. And how yeah, an, yeah. how an endurance like runner is built. Yeah, right. Okay. Versus uh what do you call it? Like a sprinter. Like a sprint. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. like an endurance runner, you know, very low body fat. Same with, with Oswalk. Very skinny. Yeah. Lean. Very, very mainly just muscle content. Yeah. Yeah. And and their muscles are what we'd call like dry or flat muscles. So they don't look the same as like the muscles on a a pit bull. Okay. You know? Okay. Um they're their muscle tone isn't so pronounced. Right. Okay. Um, they also, so like, and this is like in their AKC standard, but you, sh- you would, s- 
you're supposed to see a minimum of three to five ribs on them, actually. Okay. So, okay. like, seeing ribs on an Oswalk is not cause for concern. Right. does not it's mean they're underweight. It health. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And, and another way of knowing is, like, if there's muscle, the dog has muscle, you know, it's it's not wasting away, right? Right, right, Because um, right. it would waste its muscle first. Yep, yep. So, um, they are, they are primarily used there, so there's very little uh, wild game in that region. So, you, you look at them and you think, they look like a greyhound, so you think... Oh, they're probably like hunters. Yeah, and that's hunting. what I would imagine. Yeah, and that it's actually not really what they're used for because there's not really anything to hunt. Oh. Um, so they're actually like camp guardian dogs. So they're they're alerting to anything suspicious in the environment. They're they're guarding their their tribe essentially. Sure, yeah, okay. Um, and they're also kind of like not livestock guardians, but there's livestock that travels with Okay. With the nomads, yeah, okay. The, um, so like the Oswak is. They're not them. really like built to defend yeah, livestock, right? But they are right. very built to right. alert and yeah, yeah, and move and yeah. yeah. Okay. And when there's a pack of them, which is how they exist okay. in the wild, uh, or, well, not they're not in the wild, but you know what I mean. Yep. Um, there's a group of them. That that's pretty. Uh, it's pretty scary. Yeah, oh, to come yeah. across, right. even though they're you know not physically intimidating. Right. Um, but a group of them is. But they are many, and they are fast. Yeah, and they're loud, and yeah. they scream, and they look like they mean business. So. Right. Um. Yeah. So that's kind of a little bit of the history behind them, and then the. Then, and why were you? I shouldn't yeah. have interrupted you. No, you're good. Why were you, um, like enamored? With this particular breed, since you, I mean, enamored yeah. might not be the right word choice, but no, since is. you had been working, okay, good, okay, so I read that correctly, yeah. Um, since you said that you had been researching and yeah. looking about, or, you know, looking yeah. up stuff about breeding and all that kind of stuff yeah. for them for three years, yeah, like what drew, drew you in? So, uh, I mean, first things definitely aesthetically, they are just to me they're gorgeous i've always loved sight hounds though sight hounds are more my thing yeah herding okay. dogs are really more kevin's thing okay i've just come to also love my herders too right. um of course i love them Obviously. but like sight hounds were my first love <laughs> and uh you know i i met my first Ozawak. i don't remember what year it was but it was a long time ago but i met one at the store i was working at and this dog just, it you know, like, people will describe other sight hounds as aloof, but, like, this dog, was it wasn't aloof. It was, it was watching me. <laughs> but it was like, no, thank you. <laughs> um, you know, moving away from me, like, no. But it was so, so cool looking and just something so, like, uh, rustic, primitive okay, about yeah. about it that just fascinated me. So... Uh, the same lady actually had a, also she had a slugi with her too, um, which okay, is another primitive. Slugi is another primitive um, sight hound. They're from Morocco, okay, and they're similar. They're they're also used for hunting game. More okay. they're more used for hunting game than they are for guarding, but they're also used for guarding. So they have kind of a similar temperament to an Ozawak, but from my understanding, and I've only met a couple of them, right. but from my understanding, they're less guarded 
they're less guardian than than an okay, Ozawak. Okay. Yeah, I, I yeah, I they look similar. Coach Dana and I admit that I don't know every single blue. <laughs> it's <exists>. all good, <laughs> all good. I don't either. I learn about new ones still all the time, all the time, all the time. Uh, especially like you know, like outs because we get so stuck in like what are the AKC breeds, and there's yep. so many there's breeds so many in other yep. countries that are not AKC. Um, but yeah, so I just thought they were so cool looking and, uh, started reading about them. And I was like, I don't know if this is going to fit in my life. And, um, you know, it, it was really, they're one of, and I'd say this about any breed. I think, I think any breed you're going to get, you should go meet them if you can, right? Yeah, like yeah. you can't always meet every breed. Um, and meeting one, a sample size of one isn't really going to tell you enough. Um, but I... Uh, so I, I decided to go meet more of them and, and I went and met, uh, seven or nine of them, Philadelphia. Oh, okay. Yeah. There was a breeder in Philadelphia. Um, her name's Aaliyah Taylor. Um, she, she showed it, I want to say it was like the national dog show one year, at, at least with one of hers. Um, and, uh, I went and met her dogs. And so I got to kind of experience what the breed was like, um, and from there, I still wasn't entirely sold on if that was, if they were the right fit for me or not. Okay. Um, so I did more thinking, more talking to more people. I talked to like, at that point in time, there were probably, I don't know, maybe like 60 people who owned them that I, that like were, had an active presence online. Okay. okay. Um, but I talked to like literally everybody that I could find. I sent a message about the breed, right. asking and about he was the breed. Willing to talk back. Yes, yep. exactly, and talked about them. Um, learned everything I could about about their temperament, and ended up bringing her home. And I, I have to say though, like despite doing all that research, none of it could have prepared me for like what it was actually like to own them. Oh no! And raise them. Um, and she's an amazing dog. We just definitely, I definitely. She was probably the first puppy I had that I had some struggles with um, that stumped me a little bit. Yeah, so. oh, that's actually, that's that's really cool. Yeah. Actually, yeah. to be challenged in that way. Right. Probably not at the time. At the time, I didn't see it that way, but now, yeah, I, but now. now I do. Yeah, <laughs> and like, especially because, so the biggest struggle I had with her was separation anxiety. So okay. um, just learning how to work through that and solve that, um, which took me like a year. Oh yeah, uh, I mean, if you're starting from scratch, yes. with a new, um, one of our like buzzword behavior problems, right? Like one of the big, I would say, the big three, right? Reactivity, right. aggression, separation, separation anxiety, anxiety, right? And you have um, little, if you had little work with that, right. In the past, client wise, and yeah. Then let alone the fact that it's your right. own personal dog, right? I can imagine it would take a year plus to figure that. Yeah, out. and yeah. I actually I had no experience with that uh, professionally, okay. and like had never dealt with that personally or professionally. And there's, as we all know, like when you start looking up problem behaviors, like everybody and their mother's got an opinion. A, an opinion. Even if you're looking up how to teach your dog to sit, everybody right. and their mom has an opinion. Yeah. And so it makes it really hard to like sort through and figure out what to do and like mm-hmm. what's the best approach. And so it took me a really long time to figure it out, but we finally figured it out and she's really good now and doesn't have that issue. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a challenge at first if for sure. If you gave like the highlight. Of what, of what I did. Of what re- the end result, yeah. Hathaway, was yeah. that brought you to where you are now. Yeah. So I guess what I would say, so we ended up taking like a slow desensitization protocol at first, which helped a lot. 
Um, and basically that just looked like, um, well, first, I guess I, I got to kind of go back to many dogs, I would say most, who have true separation anxiety also have true confinement anxiety too. Okay. So, and that was challenging because she had separation anxiety, but she also had confinement anxiety. So it's actually best, like with a dog with separation anxiety, if they're not like destroying your house to actually not crate them right. as you're working through these, these protocols. Um, but I couldn't do that because she would urinate on the floor. Okay. And yeah, could I have let her do that and cleaned it up? Yes. But like that wasn't really, that's another whole, wasn't vibing hole. with that. Yeah. It's a whole other wormhole to <laughs> right. go down that you then have to repair right. after right. and also deal with. Yes. And I was very lucky that when I got her, um, I say lucky. Yeah. I was very lucky that it was the pandemic, but <laughs> I was very lucky that I was working from home because before oh, okay, I wasn't. Yes. Okay. So I had the ability to work through it at, at a slower pace. Okay. Right. Um, and you didn't have to leave her. Basically. Correct. Yeah. Right. And I, I did still because like, and you know, I've, I think I've said this to you before with, with clients, it's just, it's very hard to, to say, you know, don't leave the dog. Right, but right. I did have to leave her sometimes. That was but... like with my crepe protocol with Lucky from right. the last episode. Like yeah. That period that I was working it, I was home. Was home. And not because right. it was during the pandemic, but because I fortunately had the flexibility at the place that I worked yep. where I could work from home for about a month. Right. Without, you know, it being a true concern from right. my employer's end. If I couldn't have done that, I don't really know what you would know have done. what I would have done I might yeah. have brought him with me basically and right. not been able to work because I have a puppy at the office right right yeah, I don't know yeah and in a Benny's like situation I feel as though so it, ideally I would have wanted to go and get her at eight weeks mm-hmm. and bring her back that was my plan was to go down and choose in Tennessee and I was going to go down and get her and bring her back um but then the pandemic happened and it was like when we didn't really know anything and we didn't know what we could and couldn't do. And what about crossing state lines? And you know, there was all these things and like, I couldn't fly down like I planned and it was just a whole bunch thing. of uncertainties. And yeah. You didn't know how to navigate it at the time. Yeah, exactly. And then we had like, I had a flight nanny that was supposed to bring her and that didn't work out. And it, it was just a, a mess, but actually my Pomeranians breeder, um, and a friend who also, she, for a period of time, she actually had Hannibal's sibling. Um, and she lived in Tennessee. So she oh, okay. went and got a Benny for me and brought her to my Pomeranian breeder in West Virginia. See, Karen. it's a good thing you got the Pomeranian That's right. six I months I needed it to get the Oswalk. Five months before you got <laughs> That's the right. That's right. So then Karen got, uh, got a Benny to, um, in Virginia from Ash and then brought her to, oh, uh, what what is that? town altoona pennsylvania okay. okay and then kevin and i drove from new york to altoona pennsylvania to pick her up and bring her um super fortunate to have like those relationships that th- those people could do that for me a um, lot of changes for benny very suddenly so many changes suddenly so she was it was down to just her and one other sibling her breeder that she was living with was um elderly so 
it was during the pandemic. So her, like they had to stop bringing the puppies out, oh, out places, places, right? exposure to, yeah. Hit. Like all that Socialization stopped. took a hit. Yeah. And c- that was one of the reasons I actually picked this breeder is because they were, they were a breeder that did extensive socialization with oh, the puppies, wow. which with Ozawak, that's like extra important. Right. That's very unfortunate. Yeah. It was really, yeah. really unfortunate. So, um, uh, you know, a Benny missed on that. So she gets pulled from this breeder. Then she gets brought to with one person from Tennessee to West Virginia. And then that person brings her to Pennsylvania. And now she's with me. And so it was very, especially for this breed, I can't like emphasize enough how like traumatic that probably was for her. Certainly. Um, you know, I mean, you've had Loki flown in, you know, that that yep. can, it, it can be really traumatic for the dog. Yeah. So. I didn't realize at the time, <laughs> Oh, which but, is basically what I talked about in the last episode, but yeah. But like what but else like, would you do anyway? Right. Cause I like, mean, yeah. I mean, I had to fly a dog once from Australia, which we can talk about. Oh yeah. But, no, I mean, post flight. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Not okay. recognizing like, I got you. What I oh, could have oh, additionally oh, okay. like given him no knowing, knowing that it really truly was probably extremely traumatic and yeah. stressful. Yeah, 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 right, yeah, right, yeah. Right, yeah. Right. Well, and it, because with different dogs, you know, like like the dog that I imported from Australia, it was she was came off the plane and was like, hey, yeah, <laughs> you know, it, depend, fine. it yeah, depends yeah, yeah, yeah. on the dog. Right? But Experience teaches you. Yes, so yeah, yeah, for sure. And so um, we brought uh, so then we brought a Benny home, and I mean, literally the first day, and this is where I you know I get kind of passionate about this subject um because there's a lot of myths out there about separation anxiety Mm -hmm. and like and I'm not saying that people don't have an impact on their dog's emotional state um that certainly is a thing Mm -hmm. but like a Benny came to me and I put her in the crate the first day and I mean it was panic screaming like it was screeching it it, it was bad she was real and I'm, you know, I tried waiting, see if it, you know, she just settled herself, you know, and and nothing. And it was, it was a no. And, and through, and then I started testing it like, okay, if I leave her out of the crate and I go away, what happens? Mm. Peeing in the house, pacing, um, you know, so it was true separation anxiety. It wasn't just, you know, puppy fussy, puppy fussy or confinement. Right. Yeah. Or just stress overload because of. Exactly. Right. Right. Exactly. And yeah. she, which is it, different from what I experienced right. with Loki. Right. Right. His to give was different. context, right? Like yeah. he was definitely like overstressed. Right. Right. And then I asked him right. to be independent. Yeah. And he was like, actually I've been independent for like forty eight hours. <laughs> and, and I would all like no more of that. And I just really <laughs> want some like comfort. Yes, exactly. Right. So we yeah. got the screaming, screeching, but from a different right place than what you're experiencing. Exactly. Right. I could leave him and he wouldn't, you know, um, be so stressed right. about it that he would have like accidents or would need to like tear things up yeah, or like, self harm yeah. or any of those types yeah. of things. Right. I was really lucky that she didn't do the self harm or the um tearing things up, but the peeing was definitely annoying. Yeah. And the other thing Yeah, she, not to imply that she did that, but that's no, no, like I know something what you mean. that yeah that could come of it, absolutely. Yep. And I'm really glad that didn't with her. But and the other thing to note too is like where she peed. So like whenever she she peed it was right by the door. Oh, okay. So, like, she's waiting by the door. Right, you know? right. Um, which That's is, very telling. Yeah, very, very telling. And, um, because, of course, she was a puppy, too. So, you have to wonder, you know, did she pee? Because she just needed yeah, to she pee. Yeah, she just had to pee. Um, right. But that was not the case. And uh, so, we, I did slow desensitization protocol. So, I started with working on just making the crate a comfortable space. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I started working on just her entering and exiting it and it was just a game. Yeah. Um, I did also make sure that I was teaching her to settle away from me because that when she first came to me, she was so stressed and, um, traumatized. I would describe it that she was pretty latched onto me. Yeah. Um, so I did make sure to not uh, enable that if you will. Yeah. And like, okay. So I would, I would get her to settle away from me. Uh, other things we realized with her was that, um, because she is a African breed, like she needed it to be warm. So one of the things that helped actually a lot was having a heater next to her crate, Smart. like space heater. Uh, that kept her uh, much more content. Um, but to be honest, the thing that really, like, we we ended up doing short-term um, use of trazodone yep. to bring her in t- under threshold so that I could get those successful repetitions of short absences right. really quickly. Where she has the capacity to yeah. actually learn yes. rather than just Sh- like, panic. panic. Yeah. Right. Okay. And I did that for a month, and it, it I wish I had done that sooner because I waited like nine months sure. I think and I was working on it slowly for like nine months like I said during that time you know she was just having to be left but I know she was panicking when I was gone and right. that was really it was so hard and this is where I like really empathize with my clients with dogs with separation anxiety is it's so hard when you care about your dog to know that they are freaking out because you're not there and it makes you not want to leave your house and like you need to get home because like the dog's having a hard time and um because, you know, like, they're truly having a hard time. It's not like they're just doing that because they're being, you know, No, no, whatever. they're not doing it out of spite no. or anything like that. Right, like, she's truly having a difficult time. So, um, I really wish I had done it sooner. But that that was what helped the most, honestly, because it just made it easier for me to get those repetitions, those successful memories and those successful habits. So, successful learning moments. Yes. Like, she was at... Repetitively. A, a place mentally now, yeah. and and also just, like, physically in terms of, like, fight-flight response, right. right? That she could actually process things right. and learn. exactly. Thanks to the trazodone. Yeah, yeah. Yep, right. exactly. And, and she hasn't been on it since, but we, you know... We were able to use it in that context, and it, and it really did help. So I'm I'm glad we did go that route. Um, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, no, that is a lot. I don't work with um, personally. I don't work with the um, separation anxiety yeah. cases because they. Um, I just don't have the experience to take that on, and I'm yeah. not going to tell a client, sure, or a potential client, I should right. say, that sure, yeah, I'm the person sure. who's going to help solve yeah. this problem for you because I don't feel it's my yeah. Right to figure it out on their dog. Sure. Basically, right? Does sure. that make sense? No, yeah, totally. So hearing um like hearing how and like what eventually was the thing that cracked yeah. the code basically yeah. for you. Yeah. I find to be super interesting because like anything in terms of behavior work, like you had said, there's so many voices that tell right. you to do it this way. Yeah. Right. And yeah. yes, it's certainly gonna be dog dependent, yeah. which is the other piece of yep or the other side of the coin that makes it difficult to figure out what the actual process is that's going to help you but um just to hear like how you essentially had to go through that same process with your own dog of like trying to whittle through all of the voices right and figure out the thing that works for a benny yes right and then using that experience to help fuel what you can then provide your clients exactly it's really challenging it doesn't surprise me that it took you 
a, nine months a year, yeah. to even to to start the trazodone, right? Right. Because right. again, you're trying to learn right. as you're trying to trial and work it. And she's a young dog, so like I didn't want to put her on meds, you right. know, when she was young and like you know cause further issues or you yeah. know have issues from doing that. And I um I had I had worked with or spoken with I had did like two sessions, one with a certified separation anxiety trainer and one with somebody who wasn't certified separation anxiety trainer. And then of course I was also, I have a ton of friends who are trainers that I was picking their brains. And, um, I mostly followed, uh, like Melina Demartini's, uh, stuff for that. So she's, she's kind of like the separation anxiety expert, but, um, uh, and she's the one who, she has like program for certified separation anxiety trainers and one of her CSATs they're called, um, she, she, at least when I, this was like at first I had worked with her and she did an evaluation. So she was able to at least confirm what I already kind of knew and right. believed that it was in fact separation anxiety. Cause I think that can be really hard for, uh, people if they've never experienced before or seen it before is separating what's FOMO and what's actual separation, actual separation anxiety. Cause they, right. they're quite different in like really need a very different approach because mm-hmm. they're you know they're not the same one, i can imagine you know? that was really relieving it was not because it was not because obviously now you know right uh that that your dog has separation anxiety right that's going to be daunting in and of itself right but just relieving to hear from another professional that yeah. yes what you are experiencing or what you think is happening right is actually happening exactly. and now you can start moving forward yeah exactly and it was it, it was relieving because like you know you get a lot of advice of like oh well they'll they'll just you know you're there's a lot of myths out there about separation anxiety like it's caused because you let the dog touch you too much or the dog Mm -hmm. sleeps on your furniture and therefore you know they've got separation anxiety now or um you know and I'm not saying that it can't be helpful to have some you know you obviously want to teach dogs independence of course but um but I just knew with her I'm like no like I've raised multiple puppies at this point successfully to create successfully to be alone successfully um you know because at that point i mean hannibal wasn't that old but like him and demos were fully crate trained and able to be like everybody else had no issue so i i knew you know you had something different i knew it was something different and i knew it wasn't like my fault and i feel like there's a lot of um information out there that makes owners feel bad about their dog having separation anxiety like it's their fault and like if it's true separation anxiety, it's probably not. Nobody knows for sure what causes separation anxiety, um, but it's speculated that it's probably a combination of genetics mm-hmm. and probably, you know, traumatic experience, like yeah. what she she went through. And I really believe the genetic piece is a big part of it because I know multiple people with Ozolock that struggle with the same thing. Okay. And those are, those people also have other dogs that don't struggle with it. So you can't say that it's the owner when right. you have, you know, multiple samples right, right, right. in this household. So, um, it was a big relief to know that that, okay, that is what it is. And then we can move forward and, and work with it. And, um, so I kind of followed Marina, Melina's, um, uh, protocols, which is slow desensitization. And really with separation anxiety, there's really no food involved, um, mm-hmm. when you're working through se- settings and, and like you can use food in it, but 
sometimes that can be counterproductive because like like what people will do they're like oh here's a kong and now i leave right well, and then that kong just becomes a predictor of you leaving right right um right so sometimes that backfires yeah so I it's think really... it also can sometimes give you a false positive yeah too, right absolutely the dog's eating out of the con right. or whatever like you're reading right. that as like oh they're calm they're relaxed like right. they're fine yep and then sometimes like that is a good way to make food aversive mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and i I did start with, um, you know, giving a Benny stuff like that to do away from me in the house so that she could learn that independence as well. Okay. Um, just because like that, I don't think, I think that her attachment to me was a symptom. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not a, not the cause. Like, cause I feel like people see it the other way. They're like, oh, the dog is, you know, really attached to you. And that's why, you know. That, right. that's that's why they have separation anxiety and and sometimes that could be the case right if the owner is over over coddling coddling um and also dependent on the dog's company themselves that's typically yes. where i would yes. see that uh when when the owner direction almost of that has equation the separation going. anxiety yes. right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah um i've definitely seen that before um and in a lot of those cases it's usually more of like a fomo piece than the dog's just not learned to be alone but like to me separation anxiety that's like a true phobia like just like having a fear of spiders like right, right. it's like you know it's a it's a severe fear of being alone and just like exposure therapy it's it's about showing the dog how to be alone in small increments that mm-hmm. are successful and then you build on those and most dogs i've found that i've worked with with this like once you get to like 15 minutes of alone time usually you make a lot of progress pretty pretty right, quickly right. Um, but it's a lot of work up front to get to the 15. It's a lot of up yes, front work. Yeah. And it feels like watching paint dry. <laughs> You're like, this is terrible, and why is this so slow? Um, but, you know. Don't work separation anxiety cases yeah. if you want immediate gratification. Yeah, gratification, yeah. Um, you know, and, like, there's a lot of different opinions out there. I'm not saying, like, mine is the right one, but I know in my and what I've done, that's that's what's worked for, for us. Sure, so. sure. Okay. But okay. yeah. So after resolving her separation anxiety, I'm assuming that was like your only main focus for her for the first... Uh, I mean, obviously, yeah. potty training, you know, right. like other stuff like that. But, like, I'm sure that was, like, the main priority for her yeah. for that first uh, year that you said that you were yeah. tinkering with it, right? Yep. Um, And then you... But you had two other puppies in the house. Yeah. So, um... You know, Hannibal and Demos were, and it, it, it really, all this does come back to, like, picking good breeders, picking, uh, like, comes back to just, you know, genetics, too, because, oh, poor Loki. Oh, Loki's um, <laughs> um, Excuse me. Um, it does come down to, like, down to that, because, like, Hannibal and Demos were just so solid. Like, Demos was... I barely remember his puppyhood because it was just so easy. Okay. Like, I don't, he had no issues as a puppy, like, at all. That's a dream. I I really, like, I literally cannot think of anything about him, his puppyhood, or Blitz's, honestly. Hannibal's the only thing I recall that was uh, different. Two things. One, we definitely had more challenges integrating him because I still had my Greyhound at the time. And he was... Oh, and he's a small... He was, like, yeah. not even a pound right, when I brought right, him right, home. Right. Yeah, he's he like looks like Prey. Your, yeah. And, and yeah. not only did he look like Prey, but the breeder who had him 
she had a Great Dane, and the puppies, like, were all over the Great Dane. Okay. And the Great Dane was fine with that. Right. Beast not fine with that. Right. So he had right. no fear of her, no natural hesitation about her. And, uh, I mean, obviously she, you know, he did end up having <laughs> hesitation about her. And not too much, but she, you know, she definitely did let him know she did not like him just trying to come into her space. And, right. And, you know, we had to do a lot of management at first, a lot of, like, you know, exercise pens, gates to keep V, like, let V have her space so yeah. that he wasn't okay. getting in her space. Okay. Yeah, because I'm interested to hear, like, how... um how you set up your household mm-hmm. in order to support the integration of yeah. not only just the three that came like all at once, but right. like each dog individually needs and your existing pack, they right. need some sort of management and structure and, and structure right. to ensure that right. everybody's hunky dory. We right. don't have any conflict or fights. Yeah. Right. And we make sure that we learn to coexist and be cool with yeah. having everybody here together. And I think um after I take Loki to go to the bathroom, yeah, <laughs> we can we'll talk, talk about, about that. Because um, mm. I can tell the whining right now is because he probably that's just a potty. Has to go, he just has to go a potty wine. So sounds good. I'll take Loki to go to the All bathroom, right. and then we'll pick up when I come. Okay, back. sounds good. <laughs> well, it's a good thing that Loki interrupted us because this is where we're going to stop for part one and pick up for part two. So I hope you've enjoyed it so far. Rachel and I really spent a lot of time chatting, and this episode just went. Far too long for a single episode. So you can pick up on the rest of our conversation in part two, which will come out shortly. In part two, Rachel goes deeper into explaining what she finds is necessary training and management in order to successfully navigate having multiple dogs in a single household. And she also explains how she integrates each new dog into her house to make sure that everything runs smoothly and continues to run smoothly after that dog is brought into the home. So be on the lookout for when that drops. If you'd like to get in touch with me about training or give feedback about these episodes or the podcast or have a question, the best way to do that is by visiting my website, myk9coach.com and requesting a consultation or sending me an email at k9coachdana at gmail.com. Both of those are listed in the show notes. If you want to get in touch with Rachel, her contact information is also listed in the show notes. You can also subscribe to the Canine Coach email list via the website and get updates from all things Canine Coach, including training tips, alerts when episodes drop, and for my email list people, I also send a newsletter in the middle of each month that recaps all of the major points of that month's podcast episode, so you don't have to go back and listen to the full episode to review all those highlights. If you want those emails, jump on that email list. But most importantly, please like and write a review to help this show grow. That's it for this episode. We'll catch you in part two.